0: Hello everyone and welcome to Isle of a Time. This week we have Chris Menichelli from Upflow, the non-alcoholic brewery based here in Melbourne. Uh, Chris tells us a little bit about Upflow and and how they fit into the non-alcoholic space and we kind of talk a little bit about what non-alcoholic beer looks like in the the current climate. Related to that, if you check out the Crafty Pint sometime this week, there will be a feature on non-alcoholic beers uh, we did a blind tasting panel while well, I was part of a blind tasting panel with some of the Crafty Pint team and uh, yeah we, we tasted 25, 20, 25 non-alcoholic beers and I think James uh, is kind of tallying the results and we'll kind of give give everyone a rundown of, of what a blind tasting panel thinks are the best non-alcoholic beers in Australia so uh, check that out on the Crafty Pint, as I said I'm not sure if it's up yet but it'll be sometime this week Finally, keep, uh, if you're listening to this as it goes to air or before Monday the 14th and you're in Melbourne, keep Monday the 14th the evening free, we're going to do a live show, we're just kind of nutting out the details yet, obviously it's super last minute with all the changes to restrictions but uh, I think we'll make it free so just, just turn up and uh, buy a beer and support the bar that we're having it at, uh, I'll, I won't announce it just yet but keep an eye on the social media uh, we'll make sure to have some special guests and we'll get some giveaways going uh, But it'll be pretty you know, pretty low key uh, I think last year we were sharing Lambic out of a, a Poron Which is the Spanish uh, cider pourer Where you're pouring it quite high into people's mouths We probably won't be sharing drinks like that again this year But it'll be awesome to see everyone smiling faces And uh, have a beer with, with everyone that can make it In the meantime, uh, we'll throw to Chris, Dave and me. Mina Kelly, from we know I'm from as Chris from Slow Beer. Uh previous guest almost this time last year we had you on our live show. Oh yeah, of course, man.
1: That year has been a weird, <laughs> quick, yeah. Wow, that's a year ago. It's we mental. almost
0: have to organise our next live show now, and it's like, oh, it doesn't. I don't. I don't know what a year would like. Oh, it's just been so confusing. So yeah, it's um, true. But Chris, can you tell us why you're why you're here? What capacity you're here tonight?
1: Um, I guess, well, I am obviously still slow beer, still doing my slow beer thing, less in store now than I have traditionally been, but still very much doing the, the nitty gritty, which is, you know, the boring stuff on the back end. Um, but in the, this capacity, I'm helping out the guys at Upflow, um, which is a non-alcoholic uh, beer brand. Uh, yeah, I've been helping them out for about three months now with sort of everything really on the front end, so some sales, marketing, brand management more generally. And it's, yeah, it's good fun. Really exciting time for NABs in Australia. Um, Things are kind of starting to gather up ahead of steam, so it's cool.
0: We spoke about Upflow, I think, two shows ago because we were – trying to work out what a hypotonic beer was. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you guys heard that and then contacted me on the back of that or you just contacted me. No,
1: no, no, that's just pure pure chance. But um, is, and I don't know chemistry, but my very loose understanding is like isotonic is sort of high sugar, high energy hydration, fast hydration, but high energy. Um, Isotonic is low energy hydration, so low sugar. So that is my very basic understanding. I could be wrong. Happy to be corrected, but um, yeah, that is that is my my understanding. I believe <laughs> what I think to be.
0: So, um, can you just quickly talk us through through those beers? What they were? No, actually, sorry, mm-hmm. we were going to do a quick quick whip around to find out what we're up to. Then we'll yeah, get yeah. into the, the the sciencey stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, what what we, have you been up to outside of that, Chris? Were any fun beers coming through Slow Beer? Um Yeah,
1: I guess it's funny. Like I. Like I said, I spend less time in there and and also I guess it kind of dovetails into upflow stuff as well is that I drink less beer than, than I traditionally have. So, um, yeah, always, always new stuff coming in but I don't get in there in like a beer purchasing capacity to do it. I kind of nick in, uh, I grab some paperwork, do some bits and pieces, then head out. So, it's kind of, yeah, I, I'm involved in slow beer, but I'm not there um, drinking beers. I suppose like I used to be. So a bit of a bit of an interesting adjustment to that. But um, yeah, yeah, I guess like everyone else, you know, this time of year, sours hazy's still going strong despite you know my uh, reservations early on. But um, we, we, we talked about fashion. this last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We <laughs> talked about this at the um, yeah last year, and it's still still going strong. So no, yeah. no
0: sign of waning. Dave, no, any crazy. any news from you in the last past week? Anything any exciting beers?
2: Um if you, I've gone through some of the HBA pack. That's uh deeds hazy was like a just proper Mandarin bomb. Like it's a r- real bold expression of that hop. Um went up to or went over to um Apollo Bay on the second half of the week last week and It's kind of interesting to see the pivot up close that Prickly Moses have done because we probably don't see much new stuff coming from there. Like most places have got them on tap or package stuff or two places in particular, like the main pub, the main pub in Apollo Bay and one of the main pubs in Lawn, both all taps
0: prickly moses are they owned by the same people
2: I think so. Yeah. yeah but like it's an odd thing to see like a tourist town go into a the the classic pub and it's just all prickly moses beers
0: it's interesting I, I spoke to um burley brewing it was almost that same thing where you know four or five years ago they were kind of a big part of even even the melbourne beer scene you know you you'd yeah, you look, yeah, look yeah. forward to their releases and you'd kind of be across what they're up to. And, and now I couldn't tell you um, if they've released a new beer for three or four years. And, you know, it's kind of cool that almost these places like that can retract into their immediate place and still, you know, still be going just as well if not thriving. For sure.
2: Mm. Yeah, well,
1: regional yeah, regional breweries kind of not needing to push into Melbourne. But, yeah, as you say, being able to thrive off the local regional trade it's yeah it's a good thing to see
2: we stopped in at um at forest who they were like um uh, <clears throat> we'd, we'd get their beers pretty constantly when they were um a new brewery but like i couldn't have told you the last time i saw one uh, around town but like they're killing it locally they're just constantly with overheard some conversations that like any bookings they had they couldn't get for like a couple of weeks if you could um walk up and get, uh, and that's starting from lunch as well. If you could walk up and get whatever tables were available, it was great. Otherwise, takeaways and try again at a different time. It was like, they were absolutely
0: teeming. That's really cool. That's really cool to hear. Um, And again, that's one that you don't think about. They're, They're usually at the gala showcase, the Good Beer Week slash Indie Brewers showcase. And that's probably the only time, I actually see them anymore so yeah it's really cool to hear
2: all this stuff like so so passionate about it and so friendly um you could tell that like every single one of them like just couldn't wait to talk about like if anyone got a paddle or a flight or whatever they just could not wait to tell them about the beers and they're like that kind of enthusiasm i guess just is infectious and people love the place
0: awesome Mm.
1: And it's funny you kind of see that less in the city because i guess the beer drinker is a little, like the scene's a little bit further ahead. And then when you go to those regional breweries, it's cool to kind of see, like it's a bit of a throwback to what you'd get in Melbourne, you know, sort of seven, five, seven years ago. But it's nice to kind of see that kind of passion again for a different kind of customer that's kind of dipping their toe into craft.
0: Yeah, it's really cool seeing people just excited to, wow, what is this new thing to me? I I don't, Mm. I still don't really know what it is. And, um, you know, I'm on holiday and I'm visiting a thing. Uh, which is, you know, the, the I think where breweries do really well is if you're in a new town, even if before this kind of all came along, if I went and visited a town and heard there was a brewery there, I'm going to go have a look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have a beer and a pizza. Yeah,
2: exactly. I was having a beer at one of the um, Prickly Moses places and then just like the, there was a couple, like a youngish couple behind me and I just overheard the girl say, what is an India black ale? <laughs> what does that mean? I was like, right? <laughs> what? What
0: is that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, because that was that was kind of one of the <laughs> flagships, was it? Uh, Panther, uh, or the Black Panther, Black Panther
1: I think it was.
2: Black Panther. That's right. Yeah, when they sort of like revived the um, range a little bit, yeah, that was one of the um, the stars of that little lineup. Yeah, mm.
1: yeah, because I think they, they might have been Hindo, when Hendo was there. Possibly it was, it was like Raccoon right to right. Panther. Mm, maybe another one. I can't remember.
2: Yeah. The uh, blueberry half, I think, was the other one at that time.
1: I think that's still big for them now. Yeah, that's still a big one.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm. Um, so I went and visited the Hop Nation, new uh, Zimiji restaurant, yes. uh, beer garden place. Uh, I'm doing a story about it for Broadsheet, but uh, it was really, really good. Just, yeah, the food looked great. The food, <laughs> the food I my, my sort of catchphrase at the moment is, they didn't have to go as hard as they have. With the mm-hmm. food, like for the price mm-hmm. point, you know, $25 for the kind of the the larger plates, and they're not huge, but um, you'd generally be pretty happy with some decent meat and maybe like a small thing of pickles for 25 bucks these days. Mm-hmm. This, um, you know, it's charcoal rubbed pork neck with uh, pickled outer flour and salted roasted cherries and yeah
1: that looked amazing and then when i asked you and you see you, like you said what it was i'm like that sounds even yeah. better
0: than it looks <laughs> um the pretzel the eight dollars sort of really big fat chunky sourdough pretzel it comes with whipped codro and fermented black lime uh, creamy kind of stuff and it's glazed in either wagyu butter or seaweed butter uh, you can choose uh that so it sounds kind of
2: extra but like that's yeah. perfect like like beer garden food, really, yeah. And
0: even the chips, I think uh, they sent me what's on the chips and there's eight, like, herbs and spices on the chips, triple cooked with a miso aioli. Like, yeah, they didn't have to go that hard, but I'm, I'm really glad they did. Uh, yeah. So yeah, check what's, it out.
1: what's the venue itself like? Is it sort of big inside, big outside,
0: big both? So it's all outside at the moment. So they've decided yeah, to go yeah. ahead and open, so just for outside while they work on the inside. I think there's room for 70-odd pe- people. 12 taps, uh, you know, one seltzer, one wine, one cocktail tap, uh, sight ferment wines by the glass as well. Uh, so it's just, it's a really stripped back outdoor, you know, it feels like a backyard barbecue kind of place. Yeah, sweet. Uh, almost reminded me of uh, the retreat on Sydney Road. Yeah, yeah. yeah where yeah. you just go and kind of hang out and there's someone barbecuing on a Sunday and you it was just like a really, probably a modern luxe version of that. Um, but, you know, they, they, it's not a, a huge expensive fit-out. They haven't, you know, got an interior or a designers to do crazy planter boxes and zones. They've just good tables, cool. good food, good beer. Um, it's a winning formula. So, And once I guess once they get going, they're going to move inside um, and they will be doing a lot more fermentation. So they're turning the top two floors into fermentation rooms uh, of the venue and then the, the bottom will be the, the restaurant uh, Yeah, can recommend so. alright uh, now let's talk about Upflow again <laughs> um, oh, <laughs> so actually no, I'm going to interrupt you again, this is, this is great, we're never going to get there uh, I, I have got a non-alcoholic beer, it's not an Upflow one, this is a, a big drop uh, craft lager yeah, from the UK. I don't know where it's being brewed though. I think uh, I know where it is. I'm, I don't think it's anyone's secret. Oh, maybe it is. I'd
1: just say off the top of my head, Brick
0: Lane. But yeah, I no it's Brick Lane. Just, that's just a, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and they, yeah, I, I've really enjoyed these. They sent me some a while back, and uh, like I've said with all my other non-alcoholic beers, I've enjoyed. It's just good to have in the fridge. Yeah. When you don't yeah, want exactly beer, but you want a beer. What do you got yep. there, Dave?
2: Uh, I'm drinking the uh, Crimson Crescent Hoppy Red Ale from that HBA pack. Um, and it's a um, – I'm, I'm not sure I'm loving it, only because, like, I wouldn't – like, if I was like, going to have a red ale, it would probably be a little bit more dialed back. Um, but, I mean, that's not how you really express a fun new hop. So, I get it. But, like, it's, um, it's quite good. But, um, yeah, a little bit out of balance, but nice.
0: Uh, Chris, have you got a beer or are you abstaining? I do.
1: I'm drinking an, an Upflow on brand, drinking an Upflow um, IPA. Excellent. It's so an IPA.
0: Yeah. can you um, tell us a little bit about Upflow in terms of how it started and, and, uh, and where it is now?
1: So I guess people might or might not know Julian, the founder, one of the founders of Upflow, um, has another business called Spark Brewing and Engineering. So they fit out uh, small breweries, big breweries and distilleries. Um, all around Australia. He's been doing that for some time. So, that's kind of how – so, I crossed paths with him. He lives in sort of the eastern suburbs in Hawthorne um, and he used to come into slow beer. So, we kind of got to talking and then um, at one stage we were looking at putting some kit uh, and getting a small brew set up um, and that's sort of how my relationship with Julian kind of evolved. Um, And obviously, they set up a lot of regional breweries and distilleries. So, they travel around a lot. Spend a lot of time at those regional breweries setting up, and I guess you're in a small town. What else do you do? You drink a lot, <laughs> so they they'd go out of town um, and they'd work in a brewery, and then they drink, and then they do the same thing the next day, and they'd be out of town for three days, and that's what they do, I suppose. So, just kind of that lifestyle um, wasn't really a long term proposition. It wasn't hard to balance things, I suppose. Um, and just sort of being heavy into craft but and, and obviously really passionate about um, flavor profiles and, and brewing and, and the science behind it um and the process but just you know being able to enjoy beer without all the shit stuff that goes with it i suppose um whether it's in you know so that you can keep working or so that you can just keep socializing and enjoy a beer without yeah without all the shit stuff basically um so that's sort of yeah where it came about really
0: when did it launch so
1: the idea, well, when was, it, when was it, Jan this year, the guys took some stock over to the Mindful Drinking Festival in the UK, in London. Um, and just to kind of the London, the UK NA scene is pretty evolved, um, at least compared to here. and In the US it is as well, uh, but certainly compared to here, it's, it's a little bit ahead. So the guys wanted to go over there um, and just kind of get a feel for the scene and where they'd fit. Um, with a view to potentially selling over there Um, but then COVID kind of hit and that sort of stymied that Um, and then the focus was there was always the plan to have it available here um, because it was being brewed here and sent over to the UK for that festival and until they could find someone to brew it for them over there Um, and yeah so COVID kind of happened and it made that a little bit difficult um, to kind of set things up in the UK and get it going so sort of shifted focus uh, in sort of June, July this year and really sort of started pushing things uh, locally, which coincidentally, you know, heaps normal sort of popped up and then a few other ones kind of popped up at a similar time. So it was just, yeah, just by chance it all sort of started accelerating at the same time um, locally as far as the NA beer scene goes.
0: It's interesting because, yeah, before 2020 there was sober – and then maybe the the majors, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the German ones that come in and Heineken had, I think, launched last year. Mm, I think it
1: was late, yeah, maybe late last year, yeah. Uh,
0: and now suddenly, I feel like there's a little bit, of, but a little bit of momentum almost out of nowhere for the category.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It's like I said, it's it's big over in the US and the UK, and I guess like anything, like a small market like Australia, you do if you're an entrepreneur or a business owner or anything, even within craft B you see what's going on over there and sort of, it's only a matter of time before, before it sort of starts filtering through. So kind of armed with that knowledge. Yeah. I think it was just chance that everyone, well, not everyone, but a lot of other people were on the same wavelength. Um, and then you see, you know, Modus have got one, Mornington have got one, Holgate have got one as well. So it's a natural extension because the process is similar. Um, so you're using the science that you know the knowledge base that you've got um and you're just offering a beer that has no alcohol the product is the same the flavor profile is the same the, pro- the process is the same more or less so it's kind of a no-brainer as an extension um to an existing brewery so i think we'll, we'll see that more and more um yeah in the next six nine months
0: so how much can you speak to the process that uh upflow use
1: that's not much really. That's not my domain. And the guys are pretty tight lipped about it. Um, but speaking generally, um, like a lot of, a lot of, I guess it depends. Like the big guys tend to, from what I've been told, they sort of strip away the alcohol um, through processing. Whereas you can, and, and we do and a lot of other breweries do, um, use a specific yeast that is maltose negative um so it's the process is the same in terms of the mash the fermentation but the ferment time is shorter um in terms of the management of the sugars in the mash that's kind of key because if you know the yeast strain is maltose negative you don't want this kind of multi unfermented mess um so that's kind of at the mash stage is kind of the key thing in terms of getting the right flavor profile and the right palate weight because you do want you know it's there's no alcohol so they're going to be thin they're going to be dry generally but you need to kind of balance that it's, it's a fine line between keeping it crisp and refreshing or or just at being like really sweet and malty and kind of tasting unfermented so you've got to kind of find that right balance
2: so you, know, the, oh, you, you, you use 100% or can you like use other yeasts along with that
1: i as far as i'm aware it's just that one like I don't know. I guess if you wanted to maybe kettle sour or something like that, that might be a little bit different. But I think generally speaking, it's exclusively using that yeast.
0: Yeah. Can, so can you tell me about the IPA you've got? I think I've tried one of the Upflow beers a while ago, but I don't remember them. Um, what? Yeah. How, how does the IPA as a as a IPA fan? How does it hold up to to regular ones? And-
1: yeah, it's great. Like it's obviously super crisp. The bolts um we've purposefully kept our beers pretty because the way we've got to manage the sugars through the mash relatively straightforward as far as the bulk bill and just kind of getting the most we can out of those grains in that, that so the ipa uses um just pale malt and wheat um and it's just all about the hops like it's super crisp super dry lots of hop character late hopping um there's mosaic citra uh simcoe and a little bit of a secret as well so yeah, it's super, super crisp, super dry. I guess you'd liken it to, I guess, a West Coast style just because that malt was really stripped back. Um, then we've got a pale ale as well, which is a bit – it's, I don't know, calling it a pale ale perhaps a little bit confusing because it's almost like a Munich lager. It's just Munich malt, Sars hops, Hallertau hops, um, and it's got that nice kind of kind of biscuity sort of malt character. Um that's uh, the pale ale. We've got a wheat, it used to be called wheat, 100% wheat malt, um, but now we call it draft because it's just refreshing, easy drinking, smashable. Um, and we've got a stout as well. So there's four in the range.
0: So the stout's interesting because you don't normally, you know, you see non alcoholic beer, you associate it with, as I said, the Germans, the big, you know, the Heineken's. Uh, and then then stout, I think, was one of the first releases, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was sort of wanting to kind of kick things off a little bit differently. And we were pretty – we were sort of steadfast in wanting to have a range of beers available, not just sort of one NA beer sort of covering different sort of flavour profiles. So, um, yeah, the stout's, the stouts cool. Um, obviously, you know, you – if you're thinking sort of an oatmeal stout or even like, you know, it's, you, you're going to really struggle to get anything like a big, rich stout, which is obviously so popular these days, um, or even like pastry stouts because the way people think of stouts now has kind of changed so much in a really short period of time. So, everything's got lactose in it. Um, so, it is a very dry style stout, like a super old school dry stout, um, which works well for an NA for an NA stout. It just kind of makes sense
0: how does um how does the market react to i mean even non-alcoholic beer is a, a challenge stout is a, a challenge for a lot of places then non-alcoholic stout is a challenge um is it a tough sell it's not because i guess
1: i guess you're selling an na stout to an na drinker more so than a stout drinker i i guess yeah. um like a lot of people, yeah, I guess at this early stage, most of our customers are N.A. drinkers as opposed to craft drinkers cutting back on beer. And that's that's where we hope to make the shift and that's where we hope to see a lot of um, people come across and kind of – and that's that's how you normalise it, I suppose, uh, and make it a really sort of viable option. You, know, you don't always have to drink an alcoholic beer. Um, you could be going to a barbecue, go into the park uh, and just take a four-pack of, you know – Non-alcoholic IPA, just because you feel like a beer socially and kind of the ritual of drinking, and but without you know all the other shit that goes with it, I suppose.
0: And what's the sort of feedback like? Are people uh, do do you feel like people are more open to it
1: now? Yeah, well, like I said, I've only been with Upflow for three months, um, but even in that time, like getting samples to retailers um, that traditionally have been like pointy end craft beer being like, yeah, it's, it's really good, you know. It's um, people, uh, there's not a huge demand for it, I guess. It's still a kind of, you know, you'll call up some, some bottle-o's and some venues and they'll be like, what do we want an NA beer for? So like, well, <laughs> But most, most are super receptive and acknowledge that it is a growing market and, you know, people want a tasty beer, but they don't want the alcohol for whatever reason. Um, it could be a health reason. It could be whatever. Well, they might just on that one occasion – out of four occasions or six occasions going to the bottle shop just not feel like it
0: you kind of you kind of alluded to getting the craft drinkers over it's i feel like the challenge is getting getting it in the shopping basket uh yeah because you know as, yeah. as i said I, we've talked about on the show that i've been sent some free ones and i've quite liked having them in my fridge mm. uh and you know the, the the handful of times when i've had them it's it's you know been quite late at night and i wanted one more drink but i didn't want to you know, have a a boozy drink or was going to the park. Um, I don't know. How do you, how do you get it in people's shopping baskets? What's, do you have a strategy for that? I don't know. No, not really. Like, I,
1: I guess I can only speak to my, I think it's just as it becomes, as people become more aware of it and know that they're not necessarily giving up the ability to have a tasty beer. Like, I guess the preconception is that they're all watery and thin and like there are a lot that are. Um, And as the market evolves for it, obviously the beer is available and the supply side will get better as well. Um, So I think as people understand that they can be as good as, you know, a three and a half percent or a four, five percent XPA, you know, that's when people will start kind of working it into their, into their shopping basket with a six pack of, you know, Hop Nation the heart or whatever. There's no reason. They're not mutually exclusive. They are for some people, like I said, if they're choosing not to drink alcohol for health reasons, for whatever. Um, but, yeah, I think the, where the growth is in kind of normalising it and getting craft drinkers, any kind of beer drinker, to just work it in occasionally, however often they want, really.
0: Um, where, do, where does it most of it go in terms of are you selling more in Melbourne or is it kind of scattered around Australia? Where...
1: We're focusing on Melbourne, um, but we do have a few kind of key retailers like Main Liquor over in WA, um, Saccharomyces up in in Brisbane, um, those kind of places that are super keen on the product, So we're sending stock to them. But at this stage, um, I guess sending direct from the brewery, it's not super economical um, to do that. Mm. Um, So we're pretty much focusing on Melbourne for the moment. Um, And, yeah, your pointy end, like Carwin, Mr. West, Blackhearts, those sort of pretty progressive um, specialty retailers doing doing really well with with NA beers, um, which might surprise people, might not. But, um, yeah, moving good volumes um, of NA craft beer, which is cool.
0: It is kind of practising what you preach in the sense of, you know, all, all of us in the industry and the industry for the last decade has been all about. Or even longer, have said you know, we're drinking better, but not uh, whatever people say. low yeah which is yeah. which we all know is entirely untrue. <laughs> um, you know, for for most people, I think, yeah, uh, it's a bit of a myth. But so it is kind of cool seeing your Carwins, your Mr. Wests, mm. your Black the the places you associate with with ultra high-end booze. Yeah, um, getting on board and, and diversifying. Mm.
1: Yeah. And that's, and that's been me. Like I've been in craft beer with slow beer for more than 10 years. And for the whole time, for the majority of the time, it's been, you know, bigger is better. And it's I kind of just got a bit sick of it. And like, you kind of, I don't know what you guys are like in the bottle shop, but even me at slow beer, when I'm kind of deciding what beers to choose, there's just too much choice. And I just, I, some so many times I just like stand there for like five minutes, just like, I don't know like choice paralysis and I'll just won't pick anything and I'll go home, (laughs) which is kind of, it's kind of weird, but it's, there's just so much available now. And I don't know, I just got to a point where I, I don't know, the, the desire to, or like the risk of choosing something that I didn't love was kind of, I just would choose nothing <laughs> instead. Whereas now with um, having beers in the fridge, I guess the guilt isn't there. Like I guess, I don't know, maybe it was like, if I only want to have one beer, it's got to be a good one because it's alcoholic. Because, you know, if it's a 9% hazy IPA, it's like, whoa, I'm only going to have one tonight. So it's got to be really good. Um, and so often I'd just be like, I can't choose and I wouldn't. So whereas now, you know, I can have a beer. I don't even have to think about it. Pop it in the fridge. I know it's tasty. I don't need to like, analyze it or analyze myself when i'm drinking it i just it's more the ritual like i'll have it when i'm cooking dinner and then i can still do work or whatever so it's yeah it just makes things a little bit more manageable and that doesn't stress me out the choice i mean having to choose and, um, and regret the choice i suppose
0: and that's a real thing that people like it is a, a studied thing they've done um i, I, I think i wrote a, a blog post about it years ago where yeah that it Just overwhelms your senses, and it overwhelms you. you mm. All the all those reasons you said, and and people end up wanting to fall back on the thing they're used to.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, what's familiar? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which
0: is you know it's a, it's a huge problem for bottle shops like like slow You walk in and you're like, yeah, I don't recognize any of these things. Mm. Um, how do I how do I navigate this?
1: Yeah, and it didn't it didn't really used to be like that because I guess like back in the day when slow beer started you would have more bad beers than good. So when you found a good beer, you'd be like, I know it's good, so I'm just going to keep going back to that. Whereas now it's like everything's pretty damn good. So, like, you're not necessarily going to regret it, but I don't know, there's less of that kind of exciting exploration or, like, that find. You're like, oh, this is amazing because, like, everything is good, so it kind of just normalises, yeah, your experience of drinking a beer is never, like, mind-blowing
0: like it used to be. <laughs> the the idea that everything I now was-
2: that element of surprise now is taken over by like mm. being a beer that you never seen before by a producer that you know, and you're like, how do yeah. I make this? Like that's yeah, crazy.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the fact that all the all the non-algolic beers I've had this year have been really good. Like enjoyable, legitimately. Um, you know, I'm I'm not drinking this going, ugh Ugh. And the upflow that I had, I think I had two, the guys at Mr. West had some samples. Mm. Um, and same experience it was like oh yeah this is great i'm enjoying yeah. this yeah for what it is and i think there there is that temptation to judge them as a you know of pale ale or an ipa when you know it, it the the alcohol does bring something
1: yeah of course there are limitations but i guess it's you know you can have a tasty beer without it kind of blowing your head off, I guess. There there are limitations. I guess the, the key limitation is sort of the palate weight. Like they're always going to be light on the palate. Um, that's just the reality of it. But flavour, you know, that's that you, you can match quite easily. Um, yeah, it's just they're always going to be pretty light, and pretty pretty crisp. Uh, but that's s- not necessarily a bad thing.
0: Sam and the – yeah, I, sorry, I agree. Sort of the mindset of drinking it and not feeling like your head's getting foggier. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a – it's almost a nice feeling in itself.
1: Mm, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Uh, Sam in the comments has said the uh, cold brew coffee, cold brew coffee association, with the stout would encourage people to try a, a dark non-alcoholic beer. Um, yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And I guess, but that's that's the
1: thing with NA. Like in theory, you can have it whenever, but I don't think it's at the point where you know, someone's going to be cracking one in the morning instead of a cold coffee. Like it's, it's probably not at that point just yet, but who knows it might, they might get to the point where it's normalized and it's, you know, people are walking down the street drinking a can instead of like a kombucha or a can of Coke, I don't know, whatever. Um, so we'll see. It's super early days for the, for the segment, but it's yeah, exciting. Like the response has been, it seems timely. Like anyone you speak to in craft beer and like myself included, it just, Yeah, everyone, a lot of people, like the industry here has been going strong for some time and yeah, it's kind of come along at a time where people are open to it um, for whatever reason, whether they're kind of overwhelmed by choice or they just want to drink less because they've been in craft beer for 10 years and they drink a lot. Um, Yeah, it just seems like the right time for these sort of products. Um, And when breweries are releasing them as well, it makes it a little bit easier. Um, If it was just kind of NA brands, just fresh NA brands, um, it might be a little bit harder to kind of get into those kind of craft circles and the craft bottle shops and everything. But I guess the more quality NA brands there are, it's the same with craft beer when it first started, the more quality craft beers there are, the more aware people become of it. Um, and we sort of all grow together, I guess.
0: Tell us, uh, we'll go back to the sports beer. Um, yep. You know, you're talking about sort of, you don't think people are going to wake up in the morning and uh, have a have a, a stout in place of a coffee, are people going to finish playing footy and have a, you know, footy training and have a, a non-alcoholic beer to regenerate? Uh,
1: I guess it's more just helping, I guess, normalize it. Like it's, it's not, you know, it's not, it's giving back to your body in the, you know, cause it's, it's got enhanced electrolytes. Um, so there's no reason why you couldn't. Um, but again, like the preconceived idea of when you have a beer or, or for what reason. Um, so it's kind of just challenging that um, really. And it does, you know, it does give back to your body, which isn't a bad thing. Like if you've gone for a run, you've gone for a long ride, like you crave a beer on a hot day. If you have like any kind of physical exertion, you're like, you know, a glass of water is great. But like if you've actually put in, you know, put in a lot of effort, you're like, ah, oh, I kind of want to reward myself. So it's kind of, it's it's that reward without the negative, you know. You're having a beer, so you feel good mentally. Like it's, yeah, it enables you to kind of reward yourself mentally. But you know, you're giving back to your body, and you're not. It's not being detrimental to your body either in terms of the alcohol being present. So it's yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. There's no reason why you shouldn't. It's just it's the you know people's minds aren't there yet, um, and they don't necessarily have to be. People drink and beer NAB, alcoholic beer for different reasons um, but it just kind of makes it that little bit just kind of introduces the fact that you know th- this is an occasion that you can drink beer you know you're not there aren't any negative associations with it um no no drawbacks from from having a beer an na beer um in that like on that occasion in that environment
2: also probably attractive to have like if you've had several beers having um, one of those to chop out a little bit too.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. A bit of a pace
2: setter. Yeah. You're not going to have a, If you're not going to have a water in between beers or whatever, then mm. uh, yeah, that could be really helpful. Mm.
0: If I think yeah. of a the kind of the hyper-masculine environment of, of you know, footy clubs or um, I guess a lot of male sports that, and, and then also thinking about, um, Roxy from Stomping Ground, who uh, I was on a panel with during BrewCon last year, and she talked about the kind of the perception of not having a drink. Um, you know, if people expect you to have a drink, so a footy club, mm-hmm. or if you work in the yeah. industry, yeah. And for her, it was because she was she was pregnant, so she didn't mm. she couldn't drink, and then people would be like, "What are you doing?" Are you know, and so she would come up with all these ways to hide it, where like she would ask the bartender to pour her one, or she would try and get something that looked kind of like a bear and kind of, you know, kind of bluff her way through and all mm. the kind of mental anxiety that that came with that. And, you know, the the, the amount of pressure that young dudes have when they're playing footy is, is immense.
1: Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, and that's, it's that social environment. Like, it's you... <laughs> Yeah, you're trying to, if for whatever reason, if you're not, you're choosing not to drink on that one occasion or if you're not doing it for a, a six months or it's a new year resolution, it's a year, like you're doing something good for yourself. But yeah, as you say, you kind of made every time you go to a pub or whatever and you're drinking a soft drink or a water, everyone's like, oh, well, you know, you've got to kind of justify it. It's like there's already anxiety around that's kind of the reason more often than not why they've stopped drinking. And then there's this whole other (laughs) kind of judgment based around not drinking. So you can't, you can't win. So I guess having, having good quality NA beer options, it just makes it a little more seamless. Um, Not that you should ever have to justify what you do to other people, but it's just, it's kind of just the way it is, I suppose.
0: It's uh, yeah. And as we know, those, those environments, and even in our own environment, People do look twice. Uh, I think it's being more becoming more accepted, and I've mm. I've been out and not had a drink and realised that it was fine. Mm. It's, yeah, it's yeah. not the end of the world. I think I what did I have? I had like a soda one time. Just caught, caught up with some friends. They had a I think Cappy soda, and it was it was yummy. And I sat in the sun, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and yeah. that was a a real mindset of like, huh. I don't need to just to default to to drink.
1: Yeah, for like for a lot of people it's it's a it can be a crutch and you don't realise until and, and it is hard to just kind of get rid of it altogether, but if you just if there's a viable substitute that doesn't bring judgment and enables you to kind of still feel comfortable, there's nothing you know, there's nothing nothing to lose from accepting something like that.
0: Um, Sam in the comments has mentioned, uh, night shift workers. He's, he would like one tonight before he goes to work. Uh, and I've worked night shift before and yeah, it was, it sucked. You'd go out for dinner and you'd, or you'd meet some friends at a bar and you know, you'd have to be at work in two hours you'd be like, uh, just going to drink a water.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing, like there's something nice and kind of reassuring about the ritual of having a beer because like traditionally it's, it's a treat for, or it's, you know, it's associated with good, good times or whatever, but you can replace that with an NA beer and still kind of get the same. You can still mentally kind of wind down after a long day, or you can still be social. Um, you're just not going to feel like shit because you're drinking, you know, if you're drinking six full strength beers or four full strength beers at a barbecue or whatever, you're going to feel great. And you're not going to, you know, you may not be, socially anxious or whatever because you've you've got something there to kind of help you without you know making it difficult for you which alcohol sometimes does
0: so what are the steps then do you see growing the category um, for someone in your position of you know, how do you how do you kind of start breaking down those barriers do you think yeah
1: I guess it's I guess finding finding people that don't drink, yeah, it's, it's a tough question because I guess naturally it, it will grow as it, people become more aware of it. Um, I think the key growth area is in people uh, adopting it on occasion um, as opposed like, you know, you're not going to convert people entirely. They have their own reasons for doing that. Um, and that's going to be independent of, I guess, how prolific NABs are or how available they are. Um, it's more just trying to normalize it yeah. and make it a viable option when you feel like it, whether that's on top of the pub, whatever it may be. Um so I think just kind of making it accessible and available and kind of taking away the stigma. Um yeah that, that kind of comes with NAB. Like, you know, we promote on social media and you still get, you know, for every I don't know, every five comments, probably two or three of them are like, ah oh, fuck you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, why would you, why would you waste your time? Why would you, you know, they're not as pleasant as that always, yeah. but um, yeah, it's just like, you know, it's, yeah, it's a mindset and it'll take a while to change it. It's not for everyone. Um, but if we can kind of provide a really good option to people that don't want to drink, whether it's all the time, whether it's sometimes, whatever, we just sort kind of want it to be there and kind of make it more accessible and normalize not drinking basically
0: and upflow specifically uh any sort of you mentioned the four core products um yep. do you know do is kind of beer events and special releases and i, I think of something like a gab's or a, you know we mentioned the gala where you know, people are brewing one-off beers is, is that something that that is, is even feasible for this kind of product
1: yeah it definitely is yeah and like there are limitations i guess like Psychologically, like you're never going to be able to brew an imperial IPA just by the nature of it, or like an imperial stout, I suppose. Um, that
0: attitude, you're not. <laughs> <that's
1: true. laughs> yeah, I guess if there's a will, there's a way. But um, yeah, it's it'd be cool. At this early stage, we're just trying to sort of get the brand out there to people that don't drink, um, and then sort of once, yeah, I guess kind of pushing hard into craft um yeah it's something to do in kind of the medium term um i think at the moment we're just really focusing on getting our product out to the to, to people who need not need it but but really want it i suppose and then kind of work out what works and then sort of be a little bit more experimental in terms of like pushing into beer festivals and and all that sort of stuff um but at the moment we're sort of focusing on people that you know giving people a craft alternative um to you know a craft alternative na beer instead of going to the supermarket and grabbing a carton zero or whatever just something with a little bit more amped up sort of taste um locally brewed independently owned um, those kind of craft values just for NA beer, basically
2: do you find people at slow beer um are coming in looking for NA beers or is it like a offshoot like a their partner doesn't drink beer so they'll, they'll What's an N.A. option so while they're in they'll get something or are people looking for
1: them? Yeah, it's a bit of both really. Um, like for a long time we stocked sober and people would come in specifically for sober because I guess that was the only craft option around. So they'd look at the stockist and be like, oh, great, sober is near us, they stock sober. Um, but it's super, super common that in a party of, you know, five people, someone won't be drinking for whatever reason. Um, they might just get a soft drink um, if they feel like a beer it's an option for them um so yeah both both really um but more and more i think people are just kind of kind of paying a little bit closer attention to their alcohol intake and you know you might see the same person that comes into the bar you know a few times a fortnight you know two times they might drink one time they might not um and that's just sort of for whatever reason they have um so it's just providing that option for them Um, It'd be cool to, you know, see, go into a pub and see an NA beer on tap. That'd be awesome. And like, you know, if you're drinking that exclusively all day because you don't want to drink, great. If you want to use it as a pace setter between normal full-strength beers, whatever, like it's just just providing that option there for people and just making it available and normalising it is important, I think.
0: I, I generally, I guess once I'm in a crowd and I've had a couple of drinks, I'm pretty impervious to being able to taste my beer. Um, anyway so like a non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic beer on tap would probably be perfect for me yes, the yeah over, the of you know a busy pub can you're not picking out the the, the notes of the canteon you've just bought for 30 bucks yeah well, for me anyway <laughs> um so you know um are you doing any kegs yet or do you know if anyone is doing kegs yet
1: no, I don't. I don't know if anyone is, and we're, we've sort of chatted about it, but it's a that's a whole other, you know, <laughs> a whole another psychological kind of thing to push through um, to get pub and, and venue owners to. Yeah, it's it's difficult it because I guess right. it, Yeah, I guess it depends on the venue, um, and you know, keg. Draft beer is notoriously great for margins. So I guess it depends. I don't know. It, it's tricky. Like do, can a punter, ex, can you expect a punter to pay the same price or more or less the same price for uh, an NA draft beer? Um, yeah, because I guess for predominantly the domain of NA beers has been retail. Um, so trying to push that into on-prem where the margins are different, the markups are different. But the cost inputs are loosely the same might be a little bit, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It'd be really, really cool. Um, and we have discussed it, but yeah, I'm not too sure when. Hopefully. Hopefully at some stage, but not too sure when.
2: Do you think it's more likely to be something that like a, a brewery that has like a 12 to 15 tap system might be able to do it themselves?
1: I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, particularly like if – you know, if you're a regional brewery like we were talking about earlier, and you have a lot of people that have come to the brewery and they're driving, like you need a decent option. And if you're you're you know doing a road trip down the coast and you drop into a brewery and you're the one that drew the short straw and is driving,
2: Maybe, yep.
1: you know, it's a pretty memorable experience to be able to drink beers all day and still be able to drive. Like it's yeah, it makes sense. I think it's just we're probably not there just yet, uh, but I don't think it's too far off.
0: Yeah, it feels like it would be a big step in the normal normalizing it as we've, we've talked mm. about that. Yeah. yeah. I, would, I would have loved
2: it last week. I would have loved it. I sat at yeah. Forest and watched my girlfriend drink a paddle of beers, which is eight there. So, um, and I had a cup of coffee, so, uh, it would have been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, well, given, given how quickly things have grown, even in such a short space of time, I don't think it'll be too long before we see it. Um, yeah, I don't know the heaps, normal guys, the way they've positioned their brand, I feel like they could push into venues pretty hard mm. um, and kind of bridge that gap really well. Um, but who knows? I'm just speculating.
0: Um, I mean, the the idea of a gluten-free beer taproom would have seemed <laughs> – yeah. ch- I mean, it seemed crazy when they did it, but they, they're yeah, doing it yeah. the right for themselves at two bays. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, like in, in the UK, obviously BrewDog launched their NA bar, what
0: was that, maybe 18 months ago? Was that um, a permanent thing? Oh, I thought that was a pop-up maybe.
1: No, I think it was initially, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's a really good question. I think it's been around for a while. It might have initially been a pop-up or maybe they've loosened the definition. Maybe it's not completely NA. Maybe it's sort of like low ABV, no and low. I'm not too sure. But, um, yeah, it'd be interesting Interesting to see if that does happen.
0: Um, yeah, do you have any more questions, Dave? Not for me, no. Uh, Chris, anything you want to add or plug before we start wrapping up?
1: Um, no, not really. I guess just you know, give if you see an NA beer in the bottle, load, just grab a can and give it a whirl and see what you think. And yeah, just go from there. Just try and if you're curious, if you feel like a beer but don't want a, a beer, uh, you don't want the you don't want to be a bit boozed or you know you got shit to do, grab an NA beer and you can kind of you know. Helps you kind of wind down without the the negative the negative effects i suppose it's yeah it's good to kind of work in
0: um, um, you listed yeah, where probably. it was available as well uh, how much wider is it available uh, is it on the website the list of stockists or uh
1: not as yet so in terms of in, in melbourne like i guess um like we mentioned before uh the black heart stores always have stock A uh, carwin mr west um Hopheads as well, um, so they're sort of the main ones. Um, we sell direct online as well, um, but yeah, we'll get our stock list up soon enough. Uh, but pretty pretty heavy Melbourne focus at the moment.
0: What's the website?
1: Uh dot au.
0: Excellent. Uh, that's it, I think. Anything that you have, Dave? Before we wrap up.
2: Nah, dude, what's
0: going on with Hypothetical Institute? Oh, a little bit of a lull. Um, just a lot of chaos recently in the in the conspiracy world. Um, but there was a, a monolith in Utah, which I'm really keen to talk about. Sure, it just disappeared too, didn't yeah,
2: it?
1: Yeah, that's what I heard say Did, that did
0: you see what the note was that people, that was left when it was disappeared? No. So these people went to go walk to it and they were streaming it and then they got there and it was gone and it had the written in the sand was by bitches (laughs) and uh, what looked like a a little puddle of pee just next to it right it could be any liquid Um, it it seems too like convenient that these people just turned up because they're like oh there's tire tracks here and we saw people driving away like 30 minutes ago on our way here and we're like that seems odd
2: but also i saw like people were posting social media photos of like them like Sitting on it, climbing on it, so it must have been like solidly installed. Yeah, it kind of like a real easy dispatch and go. Um, very mysterious. How but it talking, red...
1: like is it? Could you could you throw it in the back of your truck and two... drive away? Probably, or was it like it's yeah.
0: like twelve feet high? Because they the two of the reach people that, that found it, they d- took a photo of them standing one on the other's shoulders. Yeah, uh, uh, And it was um... pretty much at that at that two.
2: So but i also read that like it was very consistently themed with like a local artist uh and that was the most that was occam's razor i think yeah uh, but hey hypothetical institute tune in yeah well,
0: well, i mean i don't know if we're talking about that yet but we've we've mentioned it in our chat and uh that's the kind of thing we'll talk about next episode <laughs> if not that probably donald trump stuff <laughs> <laughs> um, at aleovatime.com uh, the episode with uh, Hop Products Australia will be out if you're watching this on the stream it'll be out uh, probably tomorrow or the next day uh, The Van Diemen one is up a really good chat with them and then hops um, and we'll be looking at trying to do something for the end of the year uh, we just need to get organised it's come up so quickly uh, thanks Chris for, for joining us so much and uh, yeah we really look forward to seeing seeing what the uh, category's got in store for us
1: yeah indeed thanks guys
0: thanks dude